As you know, Human Events Daily is powered by Turning Point USA, so we've got a couple announcements, a couple things going on. Go, if you haven't watched it yet, the debate night that just dropped, the new episode, it's Charlie Kirk versus Buck Angel. It's all about porn culture and the trans agenda. So where do you go? tpusa.com slash debate night or check out the TPUSA channel on YouTube. Next, the Young Women's Leadership Summit, June 2nd to 4th, Dallas, Texas. These tickets are flying off the shelves. We can barely print them. It's like the Federal Reserve when it comes to printing tickets for the Young Women's Leadership Summit up in here. So where do you go? tpusa.com slash YWLS. Reserve your tickets today, Dallas, Texas. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's top stories. First up, a ground update in Ukraine. We are entering day 33 of the war. We're also going to talk about Joe Biden, the President Biden, and his terrible, horrible, no good weekend in Europe. Next, a Zelensky advisor is calling on the army to respect the Geneva Conventions. What's that all about? Third, a Hunter Biden biofirm that he invested in partnered with Ukrainian researchers on deadly pathogens. This is true. We're going to explain it. And then finally, Professor Sempa, really interesting op-ed that came out over the weekend. America's unipolar moment is over. All this and more head human events daily. So President Biden over the weekend gave multiple speeches across Europe. He started in Brussels, later went over to Poland. And in his speech in Poland, he said perhaps one of the most dangerous things that we've ever heard a U.S. president say, certainly in times of war, which we are now in, right? He decided to interject ourselves into this conflict between Russia and Ukraine. We were there. And what did he say? He said... That Vladimir Putin, the leader of Russia, cannot be allowed to stay in power. Understand the implications of this. Now, I understand. I, I know the White House, of course, is out there with their their spin team, right, saying that well, those weren't prepared remarks, and you don't need to worry about it, and it's just a gaffe. And look, the Kremlin got the message loud and clear, and they know that President Biden isn't the only guy actually making decisions. He's certainly not the only guy just making decisions inside the White House. But the problem is you just showed your hand. You just tipped your entire hand to your adversary and you've told them in no uncertain terms that this isn't about Ukraine. Apparently, the entire thing was always about regime change and using Ukraine and the people of Ukraine as a ploy as a launching pad for regime change in Russia. Congratulations. You just validated all of Vladimir Putin's domestic narrative. You just validated everything that he's been saying that you wanted. You gave him exactly what he needed to be able to go for it. And by the way, those comments are going to empower the worst of the worst war hawks within the Kremlin itself. Keep in mind that it's, it's you know, they have an organization, they have an establishment just like in the United States. They have their peaceniks and they have their warhawks. Now the warhawks are going to take things to the next level because they're going to say 
that you made this an existential crisis for the Russian government. You just said that you're trying to take the Russian government out. Does anybody want to explain to President Biden what happened the last time that uh, it was Germans, by the way, it was Germany, the kingdom of Germany, that sent the sealed train, right, the sealed train of Russian dissidents back into Russia to try to take out that Russian government. Well, that Russian government was called the Tsar. And that train was full of people called Lenin, Trotsky, the Bolsheviks. That was a regime change operation too. How did that work out? This was so bad that even President Macron had to come out and respond. Take a listen. I think we should be factual and, first of all, do everything so that the situation doesn't get out of control. I wouldn't use those terms because I continue to speak to President Putin because what do we want collectively? We want to stop the war that Russia launched in Ukraine without waging war and without escalation. That has been our objective for only one month, and therefore we have made the choice, first of all, not to intervene militarily in the conflict. And this is very important because my duty as French president protect the French men and women from war on our soil. It's to sanction Russia so it stops. It's to help the Ukrainian men and women to resist. It's to welcome the refugees and through the diplomatic path obtain first of all a ceasefire, then the total retreat of the troops. If we want to do that, then we must not be in the escalation, neither of words nor actions. So let's go through the latest ground update from the French Ministry of Defense. Russian forces continue their efforts in Mariupol and in the Donbass region. The general tactical situation has changed little over the weekend. On the northern front, Kiev, the capital is still plagued by outlying fighting. Russian maneuvers are installed in position uh, with defenses to the west of Kiev. The land is being taken over, but some Ukrainian counterattacks remain disputed. On the eastern front, Kharkov, Russian encirclement maneuver has been frozen, but peripheral combat is underway. Dnepro, that key central city, the Russian advance to this point is fixed. Mariupol. The point of attention from strength is fixed on the urban offensive. It's still ongoing in Mariupol. Ukrainian forces are surrounding, and the humanitarian situation is getting worse. Down in the south, in Mykolaiv, shelling and fighting are still intense for control of the outskirts of the city. Um, also, Ukra- Ukrainian counteroffenses, they're stating, will constrain the Russian advance. So we're seeing a lot of this reporting about the Ukrainian counteroffenses, but you're also still seeing Russia being able to maintain their territory and hold on to it. Understand that if this does not move the peace talks, and Lavrov has talked about doing holding peace talks now in Belgrade, you are going to see more killing, you're going to see more death. We need to de-escalate. The folks at iTarget Pro, when they sent us over a new set of their incredible device, we were using this up, we set it up, we used the iPhone, we were able to get this going in just a couple of minutes. We downloaded the app, it was so easy. What is the iTarget, right? This is essentially, it's like a laser pointer bullet. It's a laser bullet that you load in your own firearm. Then you set up a target using your phone to capture, uh, for the video capture software. So you download the app, you then set up a target. You then dry fire at the target with your own whether it be pistol, whether it be rifle, um, they've got all the way up to 223 for iTarget Pro. You can get this. And then you're right there. So I remember being with it was me, my dad, my father in law, and we are firing, but we're not actually firing because using a laser bullet. No actual bullets are in your gun. I want to be very clear about that. It's incredibly safe. But we're doing target practice right in my own basement. And then we're down there just having a great time with it. 
And then, of course, my mom and Tanya and my mother-in-law come down, and they're like, what are you guys all doing? I said, we're, we're, we're using the eye target, right? We, it's practice. It's fun. We're competing with each other. Then they all start doing it, too. So what do you do? You load it up. It develops muscle memory, sharpens your target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger, trigger function. It's so great. How do you get this? You go to itargetpro.com. And if you want 10% off plus free shipping, use promo code POSO. Letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. And don't forget, promo code POSO. You will love this thing. I would like to remind all our military, civilian, and defense forces once again that torturing a captive is a war crime which is not subject to amnesty under international law and has no statute of limitations. I remind everyone that we are a European army of a European country. We behave with war prisoners according to the Geneva Convention. Whatever personal emotional motives you may have, everything will be Ukraine. Let's believe in the authorities, believe in the armed forces, believe in the people of Ukraine. Let us believe in ourselves. So that's President Zelensky's advisor talking about war crimes, reminding his soldiers to adhere to the Geneva Convention. Why is he making this comment? Well, he doesn't state explicitly in the video which came out yesterday, but there was another video, a viral video, that came out over the weekend. And really across the world, people are talking about this thing. It was trending on Twitter for most of the day on Sunday. What was that video? Well, it was about Russian POWs. And of course, caveat, caveat, caveat. Remember everything, right? Everything that we say about this war, about videos that come out. And I'm going to be fair. I've said this for stuff that comes out on the U.S. side, stuff that comes out on the ground, 24 hours, 48 hours, right? So it's been 24 hours since this video has come out. And you've heard, number one, the president of Ukraine's advisor reminding soldiers to adhere to the Geneva Convention. You've also seen the Ministry of Defense in Ukraine put out a statement saying, uh, we think that Russia is making, you know, making deliberately false videos, right? Well, what is the video? Well, the video depicts, and again, caveat, 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 allegedly, 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 appears to show, right? Have I satisfied the fact checkers out there? It appears to show Russians who are POWs, prisoners of war, they've been captured, they're bound, and being tortured by the capturing forces, specifically being shot in the knees. So permanently disabling them in those knees, um, clear violation of the law of armed conflict, clear violation of the Geneva Convention. And by the way, it's also really bad, not only, obviously it's completely immoral to uh, torture someone who's already been subdued or surrendered, right? Obviously, I think we could all understand that. You know, some people were going back and forth on me on Twitter, and they were saying, well, what about if someone breaks into your house and the castle doctrine, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, understand the context. If someone breaks into your house and they're in there as a thief or, you know, home duck, whatever it is, right? If they surrender and you tie them up or, you know, you subdue them, right? And then, and then you bound them up. You can't then go and torture them either. That's still illegal, right? This is, the, this is the situation we're talking about. We're not talking about someone where there's, remember, we went through all of these types of legal thresholds when we talked about the Kyle Rittenhouse case, right? Imminent threat, a threat of the danger of imminence, right? As an imminent threat. 
someone is pointing a gun at you, right? Someone is in your home, they've got a gun, they've got a weapon, they're pointed at you, imminent threat. Someone's near your property holding a gun, not an imminent threat, right? That doesn't mean that you can't respond, but we're talking about the use of deadly force. When is the use of deadly force uh, authorized? When is the use of deadly force justified in your self-defense? So this is not self-defense. And I also saw people out there saying, well, what, a, you know, Russia invaded, they started this. So why can't you, you know, why can't you just throw that stuff out the window and treat them like they deserve to be treated, right? Well, here's the problem with that. And these are the same people, by the way, who will tell Americans that they should volunteer to go and fight in Ukraine, that they should volunteer to go and fight on the ground. So congratulations. Number one, you've just stated that you don't care about the treatment of POWs. You know, say what you will about John McCain, right, former Senator McCain. I wasn't a fan of his policies. I think he was neoconservative. He actually played a huge role in the Maidan revolution, played a huge role in leading us to where we are today. But even he was very clear-eyed for obvious reasons about the treatment of POWs and the torture of POWs and why you should not do that. Number one, it's illegal. Number two, it's immoral. And then thirdly, what you do to POWs that you capture is going to provoke a response. Remember, you're in an active conflict. So it's going to have a direct, a direct result and a direct effect on the way that your soldiers, your fellow soldiers, your colleagues are treated when they're captured. Because they will be. This stuff goes back and forth. It's a two-way street. None of, this thing, none of these things are happening in a vacuum. This is also, by the way, the kind of stuff that is used as propaganda to radicalize terrorists. Remember, those videos from Abu Ghraib of the war crimes that were done there by U.S. personnel who were eventually convicted, they were used to gin up propaganda for terrorist organizations against the United States. So understand there's various reasons why this should never be done. And they'll say, well, is the video fake? Is it real? I hope it's fake. I hope to God it's fake. But we don't know that yet. And we've seen it. We've seen how harrowing it is. We've got the presidential advisor saying that you have to adhere to the Geneva Convention. This is a line that should never be crossed. So I was with some friends last week. I was visiting friends. And we were talking about this issue that's going on about how people are being canceled. People are not able to access their bank accounts in some cases, uh, kicked off PayPal, Patreon, all these other different um, payment processors that are out there. And somebody mentioned they'd heard about this new app called Public Square. And they said, What's, you know, I've heard this thing called Public Square, and it's, it's this thing where people can go and check out which companies actually support you know, conservatives or they don't have COVID mandates or local, you know, sourced food, et cetera. And I said, look, you know, actually, I know about Public Square. I use Public Square. It's actually really, really good. And so what it is, Public Square is just, it's a directory of freedom-loving businesses. You can set it up. You can set it to your own area and you can find a bank. You can find a coffee shop. You can find a restaurant anywhere you want to go that supports your values. And by the way, if you also have your own company or if your own business, you want to have it listed there in Public Square, you can do it for free. It's a great app. It's super easy to use and honestly something for patriots. 
building the parallel economy will require more and more programs like this. So I think it's fantastic that Public Square has taken the first step to creating this database that you can plug people directly into. So where do you go? Download it. Uh, Apple App Store, Google Play, Public Square. The app is called Public Square, Public SQ. Has been messing around in the Ukraine over there. But you, on the other hand, sent your son over there. You're, you're selling access to the president just like he was. So you you're got a damn money. liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that? No one the has proved that? No. Said, you I said, said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? I Get your words straight, Jack. So we all remember that clip from the campaign trail, 2019, 2020. We're told, don't worry about Hunter Biden. He has nothing to do with all of this stuff. Don't worry about that money from that Ukrainian gas company. The fact, they didn't you know, have any actual connections or, or understanding of that industry. Um, and then we got the laptop. So I first got the Hunter Biden laptop in about mid-October 2020. And one of the things that I said right away was, we need to get this out of the silo. We need to get this out of the silo of, you know, quote unquote, conservative media, right? And what, you know, what I mean, what I want to do. So I said, let's send this to like TMZ, Daily Mail, get it to Rogan, you know, get it out of these places where people are considered to be, you know, biased sources. Um, and then that might get to the point where we can get it out and take it over. Well, here's the problem. They didn't want to look at it. They didn't care. So eventually, we got it to the New York Post. And the New York Post and Emma Jo Watson, deputy editor at the time, wrote it up. But it was censored. And so the problem was, because only one outlet had put it out, you could censor that one outlet, and it was done. The original plan that I had had was just give it to anybody. Just make it as open as possible. And so I would go on air on War Room almost every day during this, this, this era, right? And say, Jake Tapper, CNN, because you got to personalize. I will give you a copy of this hard drive. I'd be more than happy to. Still am, by the way. Still am. Jake Tapper, if you want a copy of this thing, yeah, come on down. We're in the same city, right? It's been 18 months. New York Times at this point has come out and confirmed it. Mark Cuban at one point, by the way, responded to me on Twitter and was like, oh, I want to see that, but I don't want to see it if Rudy Giuliani had anything to do with it. And it's like, bro, we got the hard drive. Do you want to see it or not, right? And he tried to play all these games to like get back out of it and eventually didn't get it, right? Didn't take a look, but he did respond. And I'll give him credit for that. But so we go into the laptop and what do we look at? Well, we see these investments and we see these emails and we see the traffic between Hunter Biden and others. And so we could have seen this and the American people could have seen this in October of 2020. It was actually the biggest October surprise of all time, of all history. But because of the way it was handled and because nobody on the left or even the center at that time wanted to take a look at this thing, they denied that information from getting to the American people. Well, what was one of those emails that they may have seen back in October 2020 when they should have, when it should have come out? It was about a firm called Metabiota. Metabiota. The heck is that? Well, according to the National Pulse, who wrote this, up, wrote this up and broke the story, an investment firm backed by President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, was a leading 
financial backer of pandemic tracking and response firms that collaborated on identifying and isolating deadly pathogens in Ukrainian laboratories, receiving funds from the Obama administration's Department of Defense in the process, according to the National Pulse. And you go, you go down, they got the emails going all the way back to 2014. Metabiota DD. Is there anyone we can call in D.C. to get a sense of how legit Metabiota is viewed within various government agencies? We want to make sure we do our due diligence here, especially as Goldman and now Morgan Stanley will be doing due diligence on the fund and Metabiota towards investing in both. Is there anyone we can get them to and et cetera, et cetera. You can go through all of this, but here's, the, here's what it comes down to. They were looking at this from the financial side. Deadly pathogens, biolabs, Ukraine, Hunter Biden care less, right? This guy was clearly in it for the money. He didn't care about the people. He didn't care about the work. He didn't care about any of the stuff that was being studied or developed. And obviously there's a huge, you know, semantics game being played. But here's the bottom line. It was true. It was real. We have the emails and they're all there on the hard drive assessment of what is going on, uh, in my view, uh, clearly indicates that what the American wants is a unipolar world. Uh, there are uh, players who would never accept the global village under the American sheriff. Uh, and uh, China, India, Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, uh, I am sure these countries do not want uh, to be just in a position when Uncle Sam uh, orders them something and they say, yes, sir. Uh, and, of course, uh, Russia is not <laughs> uh, in the category of countries who would be, who would be ready to, uh, to do so. So over the weekend, I read an, a fascinating op-ed from Real, Real Clear Defense from Professor Francis Sempa. What was Professor Sempa talking about? This idea that the unipolar moment is over. Right. And that's what you just heard Foreign Minister Lavrov talking about there as well. This essential line, I think it's important for a lot of America's elites and America's ruling class to understand this, where they're saying the world is bigger than the United States and Europe. And what does he mean by that? What are they talking about? Well, this is what we've been hurtling towards for years now. They used to call it the managed decline. During the Obama years, they called it the managed decline of the United States. But they weren't just talking about the United States, and certainly it does affect U.S. citizens. What they were talking about is the U.S. system abroad. This U.S. system, the U.S. dollar, U.S. trade, these various international organizations, all of which are tied directly to the U.S., whether it be the U.N., whether it be NATO, World Bank, World Trade Organization, IMF, etc., etc., etc. They're all instruments of Western influence. And what, what Krauthammer and others had said, Fukuyama, of course, at the end of the Cold War, was saying that, well, the U.S. has a free hand now. The U.S. has the ability to exert influence anywhere they want in the world. And it became a unipolar moment. Well, it turns out that that moment's over. And because of the rise of China, the remilitarization and restrengthening of Russia through their oil resources has led to a situation where, guess what? The United States is no longer the world's sole superpower. That great power competition has returned. In fact, it returned a long time ago. What does this mean? It means the United States cannot go around dictating the behavior of the rest of the world anymore the way that we used to. 
Also, the U.S. cannot simply go around into these the spheres of influence into these great powers and then allow them, right, to be exacerbating tensions without any blowback. CIA used to call these blowback wars, blowback situations. So what is this all about? And I highly encourage you guys to go read this op-ed, go read this column. And essentially what it gets into is this idea that the same way the United States, remember, World War II was won strategically because the U.S. and Britain exacerbated the divisions between Soviet Russia and Nazi Germany. Flipped the Soviets, got them on the side of the Allies, fought back, won. At the same time, we won the Cold War by exacerbating the tensions between communist China and communist Russia. However, we missed the fact that China and Russia were being driven back together by U.S. policy over the last 30 years. And at the same time, they were both on the rise, Russia militarily, China financially. Now, they've formed an economic bloc, and they're talking to the Indians, they're talking to the Brazilians, they're talking to the South Africans, and they have the ability now to act outside of the United States, and our sanctions cannot hit them. Understand, this isn't what we're saying we want the world to be. We're saying this is the world as it is now. All right, and that's all the time we have today for Human Events Daily. Remember, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you, be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us, share this out with one, just one of your normie friends and leave us your five-star review, whether that be on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. What did we talk about today? Well, we talked about President Biden and his trip to Poland calling for regime change in Russia. We talked about the Zelensky advisor calling on the army to respect the Geneva Convention. We talked about Hunter Biden and his interesting biofirm investments. And finally, we got into Professor Sempa's op-ed about the American unipolar moment and is it over but before we go it's time for today's history break today in 1930 the city of constantinople was officially renamed istanbul understand history is full of these changes territorial changes city changes it goes on and on and on ladies and gentlemen as always you have my permission to lay ashore